It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. We have a very special program as we are looking at the radical teachings of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we started this off last week as we were looking at the 24, at least 24, radical teachings of Jesus. But there are quite a few others. These 24 that we've been presented with here are going to take us several weeks to get through. In fact, today we're only going to be looking at, in brief, these two that are covered here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 47, where we're instructed to turn the other cheek and to love our enemies. That, that, those are pretty serious commands. I mean, if you really expand on this, we've got a number of them from having to choose God over money. And, and to really make him the priority and focus of our life. We've got others that tell us not to worry, that God will equip us. God will provide. He's to be number one over all things in our lives. Uh, we have others that tell us as the instructions of Jesus Christ that there is only one way through him to eternal life, that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. We're told to deny ourselves, to take up the cross and follow him. There are many of them, as I've indicated, at least 24 that we're going to cover over these next few weeks. And so to help me in this wonderful study, Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. These teachings of Jesus, divisive 2,000 years ago, (laughs) still divisive today, and amazing you and I have, have talked at some length about these teachings and, you know, you read through scripture and, and did, did he really just say what I think he just said? You know, did he just really say that? And I'm so glad that we're covering these things and, and really covering them in the depth that they deserve. That's right. That's right. And, and hopefully I, you know, the time goes by so quickly and, and of course we'd encourage you, the listener, that if there's something you want a little more information on, maybe we've just scratched the surface of that topic and you're like, I know they probably have more on that. I I'm so curious uh, we can send that to you. We, we've got uh, just a, a number of sermon notes from the series that we taught on this, and and that's yours. All you have to do is reach out to us at calvaryfountain.com. Again, that's calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. So we have a number of expository teachings in these subject matters. So we're just going to try to cover them in brief. It's going to take us some time to do that. Before we do, though, There are a number of pressing matters that are going on here in these United States and around the world. We try to cover those in prayer. So before we jump into this study, powerful teachings. I mean, these are, after all, the radical teachings of Jesus Christ, our Lord, radical to us. Right. Uh, (laughs) Not necessarily (laughs) radical for him, right? Everything he taught was contrary to how the flesh responds in these matters. How we think is not the way God thinks. If we think a certain way, then we can be absolutely certain that the Lord provides the (laughs) antidote to sin and tells us how to think as he thinks, to be as he is, to serve as he served. Uh, So that's the instruction that we're to take away from this. But in these matters that are pressing, that need our prayers, there's at least two that come to mind here. We need to lift up the Supreme Court in two particular cases, cases especially, the first being the Joseph Kennedy case. They are hearing uh, all the, uh, the issues revolving around this man who's wrongfully terminated for praying on a football field. Before and after, he would pray, 
and he was a, an assistant football coach. He wasn't going out and, you know, they use the term proselytizing. He certainly wasn't doing that. He was just praying, asking the Lord's favor, blessing, protection over all these kids that were could possibly be harmed in playing this sport. And so he would go out before he'd pray, and the school approaches him and tells him he can't do that. He doesn't. Have, those rights are not his. He cannot pray and uh, use these constitutional rights to be a man of prayer. And so he had to decide, is he going to pray or is he going to lose his job? Of course, then we know how the story goes. He loses his job. So the Supreme Court is hearing this, will render a verdict, a decision in this, in this matter. In addition, they are also, as we've already been alerted to this, that they are looking to overturn Roe v. Wade. That's a big one, and it needs our prayers. Already, you're probably hearing from family members. If you're on social media at all, you have been aware of this situation. It needs our prayers, because what we have to be reminded of here is that this would be correcting a wrong. The Supreme Court, they're supposed to be the guardian and the interpreter of the Constitution, and abortion is not a right defined in the Constitution. It is a state issue. Unfortunately, Colorado is very friendly toward abortion. And what we have to see in this is this also is a moral issue. This is not a political issue. I, I was greatly pleased in some respects, I suppose, by the Gallup poll. Many people have been citing that, including CNN and other news sources, saying that, well, the majority of Americans want abortion rights protected. And if you actually go down in that Gallup poll, you'll see that the majority of Americans still believe that abortion is immoral. Therefore, we as a nation should not be legislating immorality. And that's what we've been seeing a lot happening. And so this would be correcting that issue. It doesn't make the issue go away, right? I mean, there's still going to be families in need, women who desperately need to be cared for, Fathers now who may have never had a father figure and need to be taught how to do that, resources to give them the tools they need to be successful in parenting, and really all of the support that comes with that. We have a number of people in churches who have experienced the wounds of having made a decision for abortion. They need those kind of cares as well. So it doesn't make it go away, but we dare not legislate immorality. And so we have to celebrate the fact here that although there are 15 states that are now trying to protect these abortion rights, Colorado being one of them, 26 states are putting legislation into place to ban abortion. So this is a very divisive issue, and it should be, because we are talking about the sanctity of human life here. All life is sacred before God. He saw us in the womb. He has seen everything of our lives before we ever breathed our first he knew us in the womb, and he also sees all of our graduation dates from this flesh. Life is important to God. And as we see, as we go through this study of just the laws of God and understanding why he put these laws in place to protect mankind and, and even how to implement capital punishment and the laws that went around that, we see that all life is, is valuable. It's precious before God. So, Dr. Ford, before we get into our study in brief here today about some of the radical teachings of Jesus. Could you pray over these matters with the Supreme Court? Oh, definitely, John. Thank you so much. And I, I know that people could hear uh, the love and compassion of our Lord and Savior in the things that you were saying, definitely. Mm, certainly hope so. Amen. God and gracious Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for this time. We thank you for our freedoms. We thank you for the opportunity to be here today. 
to really beseech you and, and kneel before your throne and pray for your intervention in these matters that John has mentioned. And we pray for the, for the unborn and we pray for all those involved. We pray for the mothers thinking about an abortion, any fathers that may be involved. And we pray for our freedoms. We pray for revival in this country, Heavenly Father, starting in this city, in this county, in this state, to spread throughout this country and throughout the world, turning of lives and hearts to you then all these things will be mended according to your will and to your guidance and for your blessing. But Father, Father, we just pray for all of the parties involved and that they will feel your heart, your guidance, and your direction. But most of all, Heavenly Father, we just pray that whatever happens at every level of government is according to your will and purposes, and if there should be anything contrary to that, that you would stop that and bring that to a complete halt. Through the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray all these things. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dr. Ford. Well, as we're looking at even these first two radical teachings of Jesus, certainly radical at that time, perhaps radical to us today because we are driven by our sin nature. So it will be radical in opposition to that. And we look at, uh, number one, turning the other cheek, and number two, loving our enemies. Even saying that, I think that we all have a bit of conviction in us right Right. now. Uh, I don't know that we've ever really labeled too many people in our lives as our enemies, but in this day and age, it does seem to be an expansive or growing list. There are individuals that we think are just hostile to God, hostile to people. Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a family member even. Uh, So we, we have to be very careful in using terminology like this. But I think that without putting a label to it, we suddenly realize that even coworkers and people we're around, we dread being around them, we avoid them, rather than being the salt and light that we're called to be, to deliberately go out of our way to influence influence them with the gospel message, to to give them the truth that they desperately need to see in us before they even hear it out of us. Because if there's hypocrisy in us, they'll never hear our words, right? So that we need to be convicted by this. Let's uh, look now to Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 42. Here's what we read last week. I'll read it to you again. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Wow, Uh, powerful words that uh, often have been labeled as the hard sayings of Jesus, the most difficult verses in the Bible, hyperbole and impossible, or even commands for another world. And Dr. Ford, we talked about this, this really comes from the Old Testament law known as the law of retaliation, or even in the Latin, the lex talionis. And it's a life for a life or an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? So we'll, we'll talk about that because what we're going to look at through this study is the relationship between Jesus's teaching and the Old Testament law of an eye for an eye. Obviously, this is the full word of God. He is never going to refute one other section of his previous word. Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word is God. The word was God, the word was with God, right? So we have this powerful imagery that he is always, he has always been before, he always will be after, his kingdom is everlasting, right? So uh, he's not going to refute something he previously said. That's not how God works. That's how man works, not God. So secondly, we're going to look at the contrast between his teachings and those of the Jewish leadership, the populace at that particular time. He's going to help them understand 
the full context of how they were misusing this because they were actually trying to justify retaliation, justifying uh, revenge really in their hearts. Oh, well, the law says I can do this. Therefore, I can justify this behavior. And thirdly, we'll see that what did Jesus then require of his disciples? What does we require then of Christians that we can do realistically? And Dr. Ford, you brought this up last week, that everything that the Lord calls us to do is in fact nearly impossible for the flesh to be able to do. Without the Holy Spirit, we're just not going to be able to operate this way. We're going to always be in contention with the flesh. The Apostle Paul reminded us of that in Romans 6 to 7. We are going to be fighting against the work and the will and the way of Jesus Christ as he sanctifies us by way of his Holy Spirit. So this is a very serious teaching that we need to understand that without his seal of the Holy Spirit, we are not going to be able to execute this effectively even the rest of today, right? right? Exactly we right. can hear it right now, and it's just not going to, to sink in. Uh, so as we look at this in brief, uh, we, we have to understand that there are the what we call dispensations. Uh, many have called them seven dispensations over time in which you move from what occurred after the flood through the law, the 613 ordinances of the law, uh, on in through the New Testament era of the 1,236 commands of Jesus Christ, uh, and all throughout the epistles, right? So we have this collection of new instruction that complements, not contradicts, the spoken word of God by way through his Old Testament, or even to the words of Abraham, or even the words that were given to Noah, the Noahide seven, right? So you don't, none of this contradicts. It just expands on it even further, especially as the Holy Spirit would go forth. We'll talk a little bit about that, and maybe we won't be able to get to it today, Dr. Ford, we'll have to cover it uh, at another time. But there were these long periods of times such as 400 years between the flood and the birth of Abraham with the people sojourning away from Nimrod in the city of Babel. There was another 400 years between the Exodus and the first king of Israel, Saul. So there were long periods of time when people had to follow God's commands and instructions with no king, no ruler, no police department, no enforcers of these things. And there were a few who were appointed. We see that with Moses and Joshua and the priests and judges and so forth. But when it comes to these Torah laws, men were even given freedom for a period of time to follow them or not, right? I mean, that's even true today. We have this free will that God has given to us, but we do see that in Judges 17, 6 and Judges 21, 25, that in those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And you can almost imagine how that could break out into the Hatfields and McCoys, Right? I mean, everybody could just seek retaliation that if somebody harmed a family member, they were shocked by these behaviors, they would go out and they would seek or, or behave in a way that almost seemed revengeful, right? As they would seek justice to be done in these situations. In Genesis 34, there's recorded an actual incident between Jacob's family and the family of Shechem, in which we see Jacob's daughter Danae is raped, and Danae's brothers, uh, Simeon and Levi, they seek revenge by deceiving Shechem's family into getting circumcised, and then they take retaliatory action of killing all of the males. Of course, it's clear later in Genesis 49, 5-7, that God did not approve of those actions. So the Mosaic law for the nation of Israel and its ruling authorities, I believe, was a real advancement for the cause of justice in, in designing to prevent personal actions of retaliation and revenge. And we see that this 
actually this this law and order that God puts into place will spread around the world, even into these United States, where we have the basis of moral law. What is right? What is wrong? You see barbaric societies suddenly becoming civilized by the laws of God, by the giving of an alphabet. The alphabet would lead to be able to give to instruction. Those instructions would be based on God's laws, his word. It would transform societies, and it's still doing that to this day. So this injured person or relative of an injured person could go to a governing judicial authority in Israel to seek justice. But what should be the appropriate punishment in each of those situations? That's what they would seek. And we see then they would say, well, a life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. No more, no less. It was a fair and balanced judicial system that would ensure that chaos would not break out, that these people would be set apart, that they would be pure and undefiled. It is a major uh, uh, just uh, advancement in civilization and humanity. But here's the problem, is uh, as men do, they always mess it up. Right? I mean, even today in America, we've got over 330,000 laws because we couldn't keep 10. Right, So we have to keep adding more laws, try to legislate morality in some way. And then, of course, we see circumstances like we prayed for earlier where suddenly we're legislating immorality. We just keep messing it up. So even during that time when Jesus Christ is giving these instructions, the Pharisees, rather than just giving God's laws— they were compounding it, adding what they called the Talmud, the Mishnah, and the oral laws, which they were basically justifying retaliatory behavior. They were justifying revenge. And they were using God's law and saying that the misunderstanding of the law would say that if someone slaps you on the cheek, well, you can slap him back. I mean, after all, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So if someone sues you, you can sue them back. If you're forced to go a mile with a Roman soldier, well, you can resist and fight back. And so Jesus was confronting those uh, misguided teachings. I wanted to say they're misguided, but they actually were hostile to God's laws because they were so uh, focused on the exterior of things. Then they started to elevate man, started to elevate their own teachings over God's instruction, and then it started to actually contradict God's very instruction because God's instructions were always designed to go to the heart of man. And here the Pharisees had complicated, convoluted the matter. And so God wants us to take actions that are not out of personal revenge. They are not laced with sin. They're they're not out of the hardness of the hearts of men. And so we need to turn it all over to God. And see, he says here, as we kind of move through loving our enemies, listen to this, Matthew 5, 43 to 48, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Okay, we'll have to get into that one, too. I mean, just that last (laughs) line, we're squirming. Uh, But we have this model that the Savior gives to all of us, and it's important 
that as we go into the rest of the study, Dr. Ford, that this is the these verses sort of set the tone here. Because in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 21, we read, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Right? He's giving us the instruction to do the very opposite of what you want to do. And the Pharisees are helping you to justify the very sin that I'm telling you not to do. He keeps taking them right back to his holy laws. And Paul reiterated this what was spoken in Proverbs 25, 21 to 22. He takes it right from that. I have to deviate here for just a moment, Dr. Ford, and say, what does it mean to heap burning coals on someone's head? we got to clarify that right now, because it does seem a bit harsh, considering the first two lines were about feeding our enemy and satisfying their thirst. So if those actions were sincere, then heaping burning coals on their head must mean something other than just throwing hot coals on someone's head. I mean, otherwise your good deeds are driven by an underlining motive to punish your enemy through a false presentation of righteousness. So some commentaries translate this text with the imagery drawn from a Mediterranean tradition. Sometimes a person's fire went out and they needed to borrow some live coals to restart their fire. So giving a person coals in a pan to carry home on his head was actually a neighborly kind act it made friends, not enemies. So when we read Proverbs 20, 25, 22, we see that there's an instruction for us to give our to our enemy so many burning coals that they have to carry them the way burdens are carried in the Middle East in a container on their head. So then they go back and immediately bake their bread without having to wait for the wood to become suitable coals for cooking. So returning to their home, they are burdened by carrying the weight of your generosity and now deal with this unexpected kindness that radiates into their skull, okay? So it's quite different than setting someone's head on fire, right? So that's why we need to have that cultural context when we read these sort of things, because otherwise in our translations today, we we just don't understand unless we look at the history of these matters. So, uh, you know, Dr. Ford, I, I know that time has already gotten away with, from us. And, and it was so necessary, though, because we needed to pray for those pressing matters that are going on at the Supreme Court level right now. And I have to believe that those who are listening are probably dealing with a number of burdens, even for what we've just talked about of how we're to apply the word of God in our dealings with our neighbors and our family members, and it's going to be the opposite of how we want to address the matter. We're, we're, we're to show them such love in the midst of their hostility to us that it'll totally deflect from us and show them that we're under the authority submission of a higher power who so loved them that he sent his only begotten son to carry the burden of their sin upon himself. That's what our actions should always model as an ambassador for Christ. So, Dr. Ford, I know we've only got a few more seconds. What are some final thoughts you have to share with us? Yeah, it reminds me, and we, you and I talked before about one of the most radical teachings of Jesus is 
Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, amen. After all the things that he had suffered, our Lord and Savior set the example of turning the other cheek, even there on the cross. That's right. That's right. The least we can do is do that with our friends and neighbors and the people we come in contact with in our day-to-day life to reflect the light of Jesus into their lives. Amen. He never told us to do something he himself didn't do. And will give us the power to do. That's right. Well, we want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth today. The time does go by so quickly. We'll try to pick up again next week where we left off here and help you understand a little bit more about all the history behind this. And more importantly, how by the Holy Spirit, we can be effective ambassadors for Jesus Christ, our Lord, as we carry out and model these very instructions from our Lord Jesus Christ, these radical teachings of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So if you want to learn more, go to calvaryfountain.com, and there you'll learn more about our church as well. If you're looking for a church to worship with others, going deeper in God's Word together, then come and check us out on Sundays. We have services at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., and of course, there are gatherings throughout the week. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth, and, and we'll talk to you again next week. God bless you, my friends. Take care.